My name's Sarah Lowe, and um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the downstream end of the CSG, which is at the end of all the pipelines going down to the coast. Um, I worked in during 2002 to 2004 for WWF on the rezoning of the Great Barrier Reef. So because of the um, government's obligations under the World Heritage Convention to look after the whole Great Barrier Reef, they embarked on this huge process to consult the community and um, make all these GIS layers and do huge extensive analysis and rezone and further protect the reef. So the Great Barrier Reef is 2,300 kilometres long, but only nine percent of its reefs and all the other 91 percent is all these other very interesting and vital habitats which comes into this um, downstream CSG story. So um, maybe a couple of years ago I started to hear more and more about CSG and what was happening and I just feel extremely concerned about it so I, I wondered what to do and one day I got in the car and went to um, Kerry and looked at the sort of joined in with the blockade for a couple of days and since then I've tried to visit another blockade and I've been to Gladstone a couple of times so because of my reef interest I wanted to go and see what was happening in the in Gladstone Harbour particularly because that seems to be a sort of a harbinger of what what might become of um, further developments. So I thought I'd just talk about that a little bit tonight. Um, the jurisdictions on the Great Barrier Reef coastline are incredibly complicated. So I found a very interesting little quote from a paper I was reading, which I thought put it in a much better way than I ever could. I'm far too confused to be able to tell you directly. So here's a quote. Imagine for a moment you are a green turtle trying to come to grips with Australia's constitutional arrangements. You are a female swimming in international waters, but heading for an island on the Great Barrier Reef to lay your eggs. You enter Australia's exclusive economic zone 200 miles off the coast. You enter Australia's national waters 12 miles off the coast. As you approach the reef, you enter the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park, which is the joint responsibility of the Commonwealth and Queensland governments. While in the sea off the marine park, approaching the island, the waters are Commonwealth, unless you are within three miles of the coastline but outside the park, in which case you're in the state. But once you climb slowly onto the sand and above low water mark, you come under the jurisdiction of Queensland. You would need to be a very astute turtle to work out which law is responsible for your protection. So this is the situation. It's incredibly complicated. Gladstone Harbour is within the World Heritage Area, but it's not within the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. So this is the sort of thing that people are dealing with trying to work all this out. Um, the approvals for some of the LNG uh, facilities went ahead without the Australian government having consulted the World Heritage Authority. And they raised their concern about that and said it was a breach of the spirit of the convention. So um, what happened was the, the CSG is obviously drilled up on the land and it's gassed and then it has to be piped all the way to the coast. And because it's all this huge volume is exported, I don't know the percentage, but a huge amount is over 90% is exported, um, they need to build uh, liquefaction facilities. And each company is du basically duplicating the same huge, huge um, plant. And it's going on Curtis Island. And one person said to me, it seems very weird because of the cost, just for them, why it was put on Curtis Island. Because it, this person said to me, every screw, every worker, and every Mars bar has to be ferried across to Curtis Island. And in addition... The big pipelines they're building from all over Queensland and possibly northern New South Wales, 
are all going to arrive into Gladstone and have to be either dug into the seabed or put through the sea or put under a bridge. And they're all crossing the Narrows, which is this very beautiful World Heritage Area, um, to go onto the island. So I went to Gladstone to have a look in, I think, 2000, early 2012, uh, with someone I'd just met at one of the blockades. And we spent three days trying to hire a boat, which was, seemed almost impossible. And apparently we became notorious and that people kept saying, you're the people who are trying to hire a boat. And everyone said, there are no boats for hiring Gladstone anymore. On the last morning, we got one. And we went out with our own homemade Seki disc and put that in the water. That's a disc with black and white segments painted onto it. <clears throat> and we um, put it in the water near the um, open ocean and we could see down four and a half meters and then we went up to <clears throat> the narrows where they're doing all the dredging and we could see 60 centimeters um, obviously there's more to that there's tides and different things to explain but basically that was a big difference that we could see they're doing huge amounts of dredging really they're talking of millions and millions of cubic meters of dredge material and you probably heard that in, I think it was July 2011, the harbour was closed to fishing, to all fishing. They started to find uh, marine wildlife diseases. So the fish had lesions, uh, popped and exploded red eyes, all sorts of problems like that. And by about a month after the harbour closure, apparently about 20 fishermen had boils and infections all over their skin. <clears throat> So there were several reports done to try and find out what was happening and some people just blamed the floods, the 2011 floods and said all this fresh water has caused a problem. There was one extra cause from that because the Awunga Dam overflowed and apparently it took about 30,000 barramundi over the dam wall, bruising them all on the way down and put them all into the harbour. Apart from that, um, the real cause of what's happened in the harbour in terms of fish diseases seems to be a combination of things, as it usually is. Um, there was a Gladstone Fishing Research Fund set up by local people who asked for donations on the website, and they asked an aquatic vet to do an extensive um, research around the whole harbour. And he basically came up with a long, long list of things saying, you've had <coughs> decades of um, toxic dumping into the harbour because it's a very industrial place. Perhaps until now that stuff's just lain undisturbed on the bottom, which was acceptable to the wildlife. It coped with all that. Um, but going in there and dredging it up means that not only have you got sediment, which really starts off a whole chain of biological changes because the sediment's in the water, it can clog gills. It's brown, so it changes the water colour and it holds more heat. Then the sea is warmer, and warmer sea holds less dissolved oxygen and uh, the pH changes. So all these things are reacting with each other and with the toxic sediments. So add to that possibly then 30,000 new fish coming in, all hungry, it seems like there's a massive sort of starvation, disease, immune stress, parasite load, and all these things happened. So that's the sort of story in the sea in Gladstone. Um, on the land, there's just extensive construction everywhere you look. There are fast trucks everywhere. Um, by chance, I bumped into the father of a young man who'd just been killed by a fast truck. There are just construction vehicles all over the place. The whole of the Wiggins Island coal terminal that's being built was a salt flat. 
and as far as you can see, it's just construction, earth, earthwork, and things like that. I came home just absolutely overwhelmed by the scale of everything. I just found it quite unbelievable, and some of that is proposed for all the rest of the coastline, like Balaclava Island, Abbott's Point, Hay Point. Um, although I think now there's been so much protest that some things are being reconsidered. In terms of responses, um, after um, the World Heritage people had expressed their concern, they wrote and said that um, they wanted an invitation <clears throat> to come here, and they did come here um, to make a reactive monitoring mission, which was in March 2012, and they said, um, this is a little quote from their report, despite the so-called rigorous EIS processes, environmental impact statement processes, and extensive conditioning, so the government puts conditions on these companies, the sheer scale of industrialization overwhelms any capacity any government or organization has to properly review and understand what's happening. And they are considering putting the, world, putting the Great Barrier Reef on the World Heritage in danger list. That could have massive implications for really the whole catchment area. I think it's something like 40 billion that the Great Barrier Reef catchment um, earns for Australia in terms of all small-scale tourism and different businesses all over that whole area. Um, a lot of things are not happening. There are conditions on the companies. For example, on Curtis Island, it's all been cleared and they're building these huge liquefaction plants. They're supposed to make offsets. <coughs> so, for example... They should purchase land of equivalent conservation value or something that's a bit more degraded and restore it up to high value. But none of that sort of thing seems to be happening at the moment. So we've reached a point where the government is supposed to be carrying out a strategic assessment of the entire catchment and all the processes and everything that's happening in it. And there's the threat that um, the World Heritage people will place the whole Great Barrier Reef on the World Heritage in danger list. So that's sort of the point we're at now. That's a, just a summary of what I've seen in Gladstone.